The Tower, Episode 39, Titans TV Show Season 2, Episode 13. Hey everyone, this is your host Peter. Over a year since it first started, here's the final podcast episode on Titans Season 2. Taking a look at the final episode of that season entitled Nightwing. What did I think? What did you think? What can anyone think of a TV show that has been wildly inconsistent ever since it first started? It's been good, it's been bad, it's been messy. It's moving way too fast and yet also too slow sometimes through some of the adaptations of the comic book stories that it's based on. It's part New Teen Titans. It's part Teen Titans Go. It's part Young Justice, the animated series. I've been doing episode-by-episode drops of the show, and now it's time to dig into this final episode. What did I think overall? Well, while on one hand, I'm glad that they actually gave us a final episode to the season, uh, unlike season one that gave us an unnecessary cliffhanger, the choices behind wrapping up this season and the larger stories of this season are a huge miss for me. All right, so let's get some big thoughts out of the way right away, assuming that you've seen the episode. Uh, So this season has been about Deathstroke and giving viewers the backstory on the first grouping of Titans, how they came across Deathstroke uh, by accident, how he accidentally killed Aqualad, how they used Deathstroke's son Jericho as a way to get back at Slade Wilson, Um, how an eventual confrontation with Slade caused that first group of Titans to tuck their tails and quit being a team, causing a lot of trauma and stress and disillusionment for five years. Uh, This season's main drive has been about the team having to face those ghosts back and their history with Deathstroke, and uh, especially because Rose Wilson... Deathstroke's daughter joins the team. So with her on the team, a second confrontation was bound to happen. And, uh, you know, this this show, this season takes a lot from the Judas Contract storyline. It kind of shakes all the major beats together for a TV audience. And this season finale, you know, should be all of all of that stuff heading to a finish. It should be, you know, part four of the Judas Contract, where they finally come to blows with Deathstroke and Nightwing gets revealed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, they decided to go young justice on us and craft this secondary story throughout this season. With the introduction of Connor Kent, Superboy, Crypto, the introduction of Mercy Graves, the Cadmus Project. Uh, so somewhere along this season, they Cadmus captures 
both Beast Boy and Superboy, brainwashing them in an effort to sell super soldiers uh, to bidders in a, you know, so that they can make some money. Uh, it gives Gar Logan more reason to hate the Beast within him, even though he really didn't need any help with that. And somehow this secondary plot that I feel has been a weak plot to begin with, somehow this this little part of this whole season takes the main focus for this final episode. And the whole Deathstroke stuff gets wrapped up in the first 12 minutes of the episode. I kid you not. All of the buildup that they've been doing in this season, you know, mixed in uh, with the two seasons of Dick Grayson trying to find his new way, all of it gets finished by minute 12. And we spend the rest of this episode with this whole Superboy Titans Cadmus thing. Uh, And... It just comes across uh, not good. It's awful. <laughs> I really feel like the the writing and the development and the logic coming into this episode is just awful. You know, it's like at some point in the writer's room, they felt that the weight of this season, that bringing this team together back again after five years would make more sense in a confrontation uh, against a mind-controlled Superboy in the middle of a city carnival than in a confrontation with the man who caused their initial breakup five years ago in the first place. And you want to go, what? So, um, let's just talk about it. So the fight with Deathstroke, which is also how Dick Grayson reveals himself as, as Nightwing, not that they ever mention his name, mind you, at all in this episode, other than the title. So this fight somehow just happens to to be between just Dick and Rose and Slade. You know, Rose shows up. She says that her family is with the Titans, even though they barely know each other. And and she was a plant with the group, uh, within the group, and and you know, she really helped to keep the current team kind of in turmoil. Uh, Most of the Titans don't even know she was a plan at this point. Um, They just, I think the only one who knew was Dick, right? And it's kind of like the writers took the best part of the Judas contract, the whole role that Tara plays. And it's like they skipped over all the tension of when is she going to turn? When is she going to be revealed? Rose was revealed to us, the viewers, and eventually she told Jason Todd. But by that time, they were gone from the team. So why is she saying that the Titans are her family? What did they do to... We've never really seen a place where the Titans helped her or where they all did something and she became part of the group in terms of, like, you know, fighting or something like that. It's, It's such a logic leap. So so anyway, to go back to the fight. So we see Dick Grayson. He's pretty solid in his new identity, right? He's got new confidence. He's back in his game. Great. Love it. He goes toe-to-toe with Slade. Awesome. But while he's fighting, he even says, look, this is my fight. And in a car are Corey, Donna, Dawn, and Rachel. And not one of them joined the fight. And I feel like 
this is what got Dick into trouble in the first place when he goes off five years ago and fights Deathstroke on his own and Jericho winds up dying and all the secrets that came out of it. Why would he want to risk doing that again, right? And you have Donna just sitting there watching, not not joining at all. So Rose joins the fight. She winds up stabbing Slade, killing him, apparently. That's what they said. Uh, and Jericho frees himself from Slade's bo- body and enters Rose's body, enters his half-sister's body. And that's where he's now going to be, I guess. <laughs> so not only am I salty about this whole storyline getting wrapped up this way so early in the episode, it just also doesn't make sense with what they were setting up. So we've had several scenes and several bits of dialogue where Rachel keeps saying that she had this dream that Dick was going to be killed by Deathstroke, stabbed. And sure, Rose stabs Deathstroke in very much the same manner. You could see it as kind of like a a reverse of what Rachel was dreaming about. But it just doesn't fit with, with me, and it doesn't fit with other stuff that happens in the episode, which I will get back to. I'll get back to this point later. Okay, so we got Nightwing. Um, I wasn't exactly a fan of the way Dick becomes Nightwing in this series, but, you know, as Dick says later in the episode, he feels like he doesn't have to battle the past anymore, and I hope as a viewer that they don't go that route anymore because I'm done with it. It 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 hasn't always been a bad exploration or growth for the character, but I'm happy that it's over and he's now this new identity and hopefully we get a solid character from here on out. And the suit is fine. His fighting style is fine. They never mention his code name, like I said. I did have to laugh, though, um, while I was watching the big fight with Deathstroke and Nightwing and Rose. Uh, it starts at around like the eight-minute mark and it wraps up about two and a half minutes later. I watched it once, I watched it a second time, and then I said, you know what, I need to watch it again. I want to count how many cuts they make during this fight. There are over 125 edit cuts in two and a half minutes. It is so jarring to watch. It is, it, it's like you get these close-ups of, of each of the characters and then these, they pull away and then they go back again and Somebody does a kick and it takes five cuts for the kick. It's terrible editing. It's terrible. It's really bad. Okay, let me continue because I'm kind of all over the place. So then instead of giving us a scene where Dick introduces himself to the team, which would have been nice because maybe we would have gotten his name. Remember, he learned about this whole Nightbird story from prison, right? So that should weigh in here somewhere. Anyway... Instead of any of that, we cut to Cadmus and we cut to Superboy and whatever this phase two is. And what phase two is, uh, they're going to set Gar loose on this city carnival and they're going to have Superboy stop him. And then all these bidders and investors are going to look and they're going to bid on, uh, you know, they're going to, the high, Superboy is going to go to the highest bidder. So it's just a way to make money. Okay. So listen to that plan again. Cadmus is going to use a half Kryptonian to battle a green tiger as a selling point for super soldiers for potential buyers. I mean, that's, uh, it's just ridiculous, right? And so then when the Titans show up, 
Mercy says, oh, I can use this as an opportunity to show her buyers what Superboy really can do. That was your point in the first place. So why wasn't the plan for Superboy to fight the Titans? It was to fight Gar Logan in a tiger form? A half crypto? It just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense. Um, this is what I mean by poor writing and, and poor logic. So anyway, so phase two is happening. Corey, Dove, and Donna show up. Eventually, so does Hawk because he's been away. And even Bruce Wayne makes an appearance. He's he's the one responsible for cutting the feed, the video feed for all the potential buyers, which I'm not sure why that's uh, why that needed to happen, other than just to put, you know, they they contracted Ian Glenn to play Bruce Wayne, so they just need him to show up in this in this uh, episode. Ugh. Um, it also strangely this episode at this point takes a little bit of a comedic turn, which is odd. And for some reason, Nightwing is nowhere to be seen, right? So Donna battles Connor. It's not a great fight. You would expect that these two powerhouses would really be going at it and smashing each other through, you know, different bits of scenery, but it doesn't happen. Eventually, Dick does show up, and it's another moment where now he's revealing himself to all the Titans members. And he even says something like, uh, you know, I really missed this. And I kind of thought, what did you miss? You missed everybody getting together? You missed having a team? But you didn't know they were going to be there. The team really isn't a team. I mean, they just came back to San Francisco um, because, what, out of guilt more than anything. I don't know. It just feels wrong. It doesn't feel like a rallying cry. It doesn't feel like the momentum of the season has carried them to this point. Um, They're really just there to stop Superboy from knocking over cotton candy and popcorn stands, right? It's ridiculous. So in a way, I really feel at this point, I'm like, okay, the writers are really forcing a narrative that isn't here, right? It's just not here. And I've noticed that they've they've been doing that a lot, especially with individual character stories where they want to, you know, make Gar Logan um, have some, some trauma, which has been a recurring theme in the show. But it's not necessarily because of his choices. It's because something happens to him. He gets brainwashed by Cadmus or whatever. And I'm going to bring this up, uh, this point up one more time later in the episode. So anyway, so the Titans go to stop Connor. They wrap him up in the lasso. They zap him with Rachel's new power, which they've been teasing the whole season. And, And her power even caused the death of some random guy. But we haven't gotten back to that. I guess stay tuned for season three. So while they have Connor all roped up, um, oh, and by the way, Corey's powers don't work, again, for no explanation. I don't know if it's some kind of like yin and yang between Rachel gaining powers and Corey losing powers, but again, I guess we got to check back in for season three. So Connor is trapped, and Dick goes into his mind and sets him free from the Cadmus brainwashing. And again, here's another part where I think the development of what has happened in previous episodes is not being addressed logically. And it's such a missed opportunity. So they just fought Deathstroke. They freed Jericho from Slade Wilson's mind, and Jericho is in Rose's body now. You have a character that can inhibit bodies, or inhabit bodies and minds, and you don't use him for this opportunity to stop Connor? 
I don't even think Rose was seen during this confrontation. And I don't even think Dick even has met Connor because he was he was comatose the whole time. And I think after that, like, Dick was gone. I don't think the two ever met again. So again, internally, you're setting up things and yet the writers aren't playing with them. And I was like, okay, can I be a script doctor and show you why none of none of this makes sense? Can I can I analyze your script, which I'm pretty good at, and it's like uh, just some really terrible decisions. So anyway, Superboy gets freed, Mercy and Cadmus are stopped. Uh, it's very anticlimactic. And then just when you think the episode can't go into any other strange directions, we get one more bit of silliness that connects back to something I, to, that I said earlier. So during this whole fight, the carnival has been empty, which would make sense. I mean, if there's a tiger loose and there's a crypt, half Kryptonian destroying things, you're getting the heck out of there. But suddenly, out of nowhere, all these people come out and they, they were hiding in their little hidey holes and they start to clap that the Titans stopped all this from happening. And it's just weird. And this tower starts falling towards a couple people. And it feels like the tower is falling for like half a minute. (laughs) And the tower itself is only about maybe three feet wide. You know, you want to say, okay, why couldn't they just run to the right or the left just a couple feet and they would have been fine. But no, this tower starts to fall. Not Connor. Donna rushes to it, stops it, holds it up and gets electrocuted and dies. That's right, electrocuted, and she dies. She fought a half Kryptonian ten minutes earlier, no bleeding, no broken bones, but she gets zapped, and she dies. Now, this is what I meant when I said earlier that the writers tend to put these characters in odd situations because they want to get them to the next step, but the way they get them to the next step is just is dumb. And if they want to do something with her in season three and they want to kill her off, this is this is the dumbest way to do it. They're making it to like they're making it be like some kind of sacrifice, and it doesn't feel that way at all. Now let's tie it back to Rachel's dream. Again, if you're gonna build this consistency, if you're gonna to try to lay these little things out episode to episode, you gotta follow through with it. If they really wanted Donna to be sacrificed and have it mean something. First of all, you should have ended this scene, this this uh, episode with the Deathstroke fight and have him kill Donna. And now suddenly you have Rachel's dream come come to play. You have a, a sacrifice. You have a reason for the Titans to rally. It's a bookend to how all of this really started because Deathstroke's initial target five years ago was Donna's Amazonian friend. And Aqualad just happened to step in front of the front of the bullet. So it it could have been this nice little bookend, and we've seen Donna kind of push a lot of the um push the other Titans to to really go after Deathstroke five years ago. I don't know how you don't emotionally connect any of that and connect with Rachel's dream as as some kind of like premonition of a titan dying. Not that Rose kills Deathstroke, but that a titan dies. No, instead you get Donna being electrocuted by a tilt-a-whirl carnival tower. It's like the writers aren't even watching their own show. 
So anyway, okay. So those are the big points. All the rest of this is, there's just a lot of smaller points because again, the episode is terrible. And I've read some reviews that also agree that it's very poorly put together. Um, early in the episode, Mercy says to her bidders something about the her, when the horrific becomes our new reality. And I've I've been saying it feels like this show feels like some kind of like superhero horror show. Not in a good way. Um, so when she said that, I thought, hmm, the horrific becomes our new reality. That sounds like a motto for the show. We did see Jason Todd briefly. Um, he's all heartbroken over Rose. He feels like he doesn't fit in. He didn't have any dialogue, but he zooms away. And I guess, you know, we're going to get Red Hood in season three, in season three because he's, you know, he's got puppy love and the puppy love didn't work out. Um, Rachel decides to go with Donna's body to Paradise Island. You, so I assume both of them are going to be back. Um, I can ho- only hope that maybe we get some Titans of Myth stuff and some Amazonian things and, and really kind of open the show up to be super her- about superheroes and not just their tr- trauma and not just about, you know, ground level kind of stuff. It, that would be nice. We did get a scene between Dick and Bruce. They have a heart-to-heart at the tower. Again, I don't know why he's there. You know, the beauty of watching Dick Grayson become Nightwing in the comics was because he did it um, away from Bruce Wayne and away from Batman. In fact, a lot of the Titans did that. They managed to grow up out, out of the shadows of their mentors. But it's just so odd to see him be part of this origin story. It's not like Bruce knew about the Nightbird stuff, yet he created a suit that you know, is, is, um, uh, emulates a lot of the same themes, but where, where was that dialogue? It's just so confusing. Um, speaking of prison, is Dick going to be a wanted man since he broke out of prison or will Bruce Wayne's money, you know, put a hush hush to all that? Uh, Hank and Dawn are no, no longer a couple. And then that leaves them to wonder what's going to happen with Hawk and Dove. Can they be a team again? And then at the end of the episode, the Titans have a dinner. Bruce is there. Um, we learn that all that stuff that happened at the Elko Diner a few episodes ago, where Bruce Wayne came to Corey and Rachel and Dawn and Donna and said, you know, you got to get your act together and be a family. It wasn't Bruce Wayne. They think it was Rachel, which is not, you know, there's some precedence to Rachel messing with people's minds in the comics. And and that's how the New Teen Titans came together in the first place. So it's not a stretch. But then what I find inconsistent is the dialogue that Bruce has with Dick in this episode feels very much the same as the dialogue that he had at the Elko Diner, the fake Bruce. So again, why is he here? And why is he talking about family and choice? And I just don't get it. So, um... So we're left with them all going off because something's happening in the city. And and uh, I guess we're left with this group of Titans. We're left with Nightwing, Hawk and Dove, Corey, Superboy, Rose with Jericho inside of her, Gar, and also Crypto. He shows up in this last little scene where you see them all together. And I, I, I also thought, where was he during the carnival fight? Like, why don't you use Crypto against Superboy? Ugh. And then we get a post scene to show that Blackfire, Starfire's sister, has arrived on Earth. Again, I hope we get some larger-than-life stuff next season, maybe some space stuff. That would be awesome. And then the whole episode ends with, with the credits, 
<laughs> where they play We Are Family by Sister Sledge. Just in case you didn't get that the Titans are all together. It's just way too cute. It's way too cute, and it's not good. So, I think I mentioned before that I don't think for season three I can go episode by episode anymore. I might just talk about an episode randomly in a larger episode because I can't take the level of sloppiness anymore, and I don't think this series is going to get any better. Um, If I had to compare season one and season two... I mean, they're kind of the same in their unevenness. I think I enjoyed season one more because it was, we got little bits of of what this larger universe was going to be. And then you had season two that could play with all of it and they just mishandled it. They just, they, they bungled this season. So that's it. That's it for this episode. <laughs> that's all I can give you. All right, let me know what you think. Peter at thedailyrios.com or leave a comment on the website, thedailyrios.com. Follow me on Twitter, Peter J. Rios. This has been The Tower, episode 39 for Sunday, December 27th. Talk to you soon.